Can I be slightly negative for a second? I, you always do. Welcome to the Yak Sports Podcast with Joe Deck and Leland McRae. Welcome into the Yak Sports Podcast. I'm Leland McRae. Joe Deck is with me. We have a lot to talk about. Let's jump right into what everybody's talking about in the Augusta County area, and that's that Riverheads High School has announced that they have hired Thad Wheeler to try to fill the shoes of Coach Robert Casto there at Riverheads. And uh, that's going to be a tough job, but they got a name. They got the guy lined up, and now it's time to go to work. Yeah, I mean, look, this is going to be a hard job for whoever got it. Uh, you know, Coach Wheeler coming from Warhill, so we'll see how that goes. Uh, he's 26 and 29 there. He was 8 and 4 last year, which is, you know, going in the right direction at least. So we'll see what happens. Um, you know, wish him the best of luck like we did. Uh, Coach Jacobs last week for, at Stanton. So Phillips, yeah, Jacob Coach Phillips, Phillips Phillips, yeah. Jacob Phillips, yeah. I, I knew there was a Jacob in there somewhere. <laughs> yeah, and and uh, I mean, I think a positive sign that he was eight and four last year. And if you listen into Jacob Phillips last week, he was saying how it kind of takes three years to implement. And so at least when things were starting to show uh, being implemented there at Warhill, it was at least headed in the right direction. And uh, we talk enough about the Hokies and Coach Fuente and how that's not really happening there. Uh, At least there you have a good example of that happening in the right direction. I'm I'm he's very familiar with what Riverheads does. He he, uh, coached against him when he was at Virginia High uh, back in uh, 2011. Um, He's coached at George with. So he's coached at at the lower A's, and he knows what Riverheads is. So that's not going to be something he needs to learn about by any means. He's been coaching inside the state. He knows who they are. And another thing I really like is that his dad, who he's coached on staff with before he became a head coach, his dad's a three-time state championship winner where he won at Restburg in 90 and 93 and Lafayette in 2001. So he knows what it takes to win a state championship. And, and what I take from that is he'll have the confidence to implement – what he thinks makes a state championship because he's seen it from his dad. He knows what Riverheads is. He's going to be able to mold that together. He'll have that self-confidence where he doesn't think he just has to fit into the mold that's already set at Riverheads. And I think that's going to be a healthier transition. Um, So he knows what to use and knows what not to use to make him comfortable. Um, But he knows what the standard is and uh, he knows what it's set and he knows what it takes. And I think that's going to be good for him. Okay. This is the only question for you I have because you're f- more familiar with this fan base and program than I am let's let's say it takes him three years to get to what Riverheads is used to I'm not saying Riverheads doesn't make the playoffs um, but let's say Riverheads loses to William Campbell in the region championship or gets bumped in the state semifinal how patient do you think Riverheads fans are going to be with coach Wheeler you know, it's a different fan base than it was the last time they had a new head coach coming in. I mean, it took Coach Casto um, only three years to get him really headed in the right direction. But still, he was 0-10 his first year. But those fans aren't aren't the same fans anymore. Those fans have all experienced winning, and they've added on a lot of fans since then. So it's it's not the same. We can't take what we learned in 1997 and apply it now. But I do think there is some room. I think everybody... I think generally the mass amount of people are going to recognize that coach Castro was a great coach. And as much as coach Castro is quick to identify his players and his assistant coaches as being the reason for success, he's, he's been the main constant him and coach Norcross coach him, coach Wasik. That group has been 
the constant, and only one of those names is really going to remain there. So I think the fan base will recognize they had somebody really special, and they have to allow time for that to happen. Now, in three years, if they're not at least close to where they're at now, not maybe they don't have to win the state championship the next three years. I mean, only these last three years has Riverheads won three in a row. Every other time there's been a five-year gap. I think they will live through some years of not winning a state championship if it goes that way. But they're going to want to see some more success in four years because they've done it for so long. They think it's possible. They know it's possible. Their, Their expectations are higher. So I think there's got to be some some room for him to grow. But I do think, you know, if there's no state championship in five years and maybe there's a worse season in five years, maybe that maybe maybe the patience isn't there as much. I, I, it's kind of hard to argue with that. I mean, if someone goes to uh, whoever's next at Alabama, I mean, it's going to be higher standards than that. And whoever goes next at uh, the Patriots is going to have higher standards than that. So I would like to think the fan base will be somewhat reasonable. <laughs> okay. Somewhat. <laughs> well, that's that was the only question I had. So I'm ready to move on to high school basketball if you are. Yeah, I'm, we'll have plenty of time to talk about uh, uh, Coach Wheeler for the next seven, eight months <laughs> building up to football season. So, uh, But that's our initial thoughts. Let's move on to high school basketball. All right, let's jump in school basketball where Tuesday night was a heck of a night. Upsets kind of happen all around the place, but none bigger than what happened up in Elkton. Robert goes into Elkton, comes away a winner, the first Shenandoah district team to beat the Eagles all season in boys basketball uh, in districts there. And what a win for the Lehman. Yeah, and I do want to mention, uh, I know at another part of the podcast we mentioned that we're recording this on Monday. Oh, yeah. So this segment, 90% (laughs) 90 of our podcast is recorded on Monday. This little chunk here on High School Basketball is recorded Tuesday, and we did that because Leland and I uh, came from a high school basketball game that was down to the wire and went into overtime. And then Ari Lee went off and did what we said on when we recorded it originally on Monday, saying there was zero chance for. Uh, They went out and upset East Rock. You you were very dismissive of the Lehman and and not like I was thinking. Oh, hey, okay. I was gonna say, yeah. How easy not, for you to stand up now and say, whoa? No, 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 no. I'm not saying I was right. I, I I thought East Rock would win for sure. I thought East Rock would win. I did give Lee a little credit of just uh, history and what Lee's done, and even in these last couple of years, how they played East Rock. Yeah, maybe Lee can be a little closer than uh, you would just initially think based on regular season uh, outcomes. But no, Lee goes down 16 to four and then they own the game the rest of the way and stay ahead, close it out, beat the Eagles. And now they get to go to the Shenandoah district championship. And that's really something no one thought was going to happen. No. And this game wasn't even that close. The final score. I mean, Ari Lee kind of dominated. Yeah. They the won game. By 10. Yeah. I mean, it was kind of a impressive win for Ari Lee and good for them. Um, you know, I said in a group text, uh, after I got back, um, Ari Lee seems to be peaking at the right time. And I think this is a big credit to Coach Mickens. Oh, yeah. This is a big win. Probably one of the biggest regular season wins he uh, has had. Well, I guess this is postseason. Um, I, I guess biggest Shenandoah district victory because everybody had kind of counted them out. And they were at East Rock. And how dominant East Rock had been. 
this was really, it really was an upset. And there's not all where Robert E. Lee gets in a place where they can play the role uh, of underdog in an upset position, but they did it tonight and they got the win. So absolutely huge win for coach Mickens and really something he can build off of. Well, and then this also gives them an opportunity to now possibly be looking at winning uh, this tournament at this point, you beat the best. And if you do that, then you have, home court advantage through most of this region tournament. Yeah. And that's a, that's a huge gain. I mean, they've won the Shenandoah district most years that they've been in it. If not all of them, I have to check that. Uh, I think we've called most, but yes, they have. I, I mean, mm-hmm. I mean, it's just incredible that they're sitting in this position. You really, everybody outside of Lee faithful had really out and thought, well, how are they going to, you know, advance in the postseason with having to probably travel in the region championship? no, here, here you go. They, they get a home game now next region tournament, and they can get multiple home games if they win the Shenandoah District. So uh, that's going to be fun to watch. What Why it's going to be fun is because they're playing Strath, the team that Lee beat in the last game of the regular season. Uh, they beat them and really gained momentum from that. But Stuart Strath get the big win tonight in over against Riverheads. That's the game you and I were at in an incredible ball game where at one point it looked like Riverheads was going to run away. Then it looked like draft was going to run away. It ends up tied at the end of round. And then it comes down to a last second shot that didn't go for Riverheads. And that gives George draft the victory and a, an incredible game that we got to call. Yeah, it was a really, really fun game. Uh, and it ends up 92 to 90. Uh, the final there and, and Riverheads had a chance, right? They, they had their opportunity there near the end of the game in overtime. They tried to do the putback uh, and they just couldn't get it to go. And so then that meant that we're looking at Stuart Strav holding on. And what was a, it was a game of runs if we're being honest, Leland, because early Stuart draft came out like we thought they would. They were Stewart's draft, and Riverheads was struggling. Then in the second quarter, Riverheads took control, had a big lead. Uh, they were up 12 with about a minute before halftime. Then there was a technical foul, and that technical foul changed the game because that technical foul then allowed Stewart's draft to get two points and the ball. They converted both free throws. They made they scored on that possession. They got it down to a six-point game uh, at the half. And then in the third quarter, Riverheads looked like a completely different team and Seward Straff totally took advantage of them, building a big lead themselves. And in the fourth Eight quarter, pointers. Yeah, yeah in, in the fourth quarter, we saw Riverheads come back, force overtime, but they just didn't have enough. It, early in that overtime, Seward Straff made two or three threes right three, away. Three threes. Their first three shots in overtime were three pointers, all going down. And really, that's what they scored. I mean, they maybe one bucket other than that. Uh, Riverheads did well at the line, and that's what got them back to having a chance to win. But it was just too for sure and, and really on those shots they weren't wide open three-pointers riverheads was contesting them it was just one of those situations if you're going to make threes with a defender and his base if you're going to make them you're going to win and that's kind of where it got to yeah and i i think for riverheads you know you're looking at a situation where they needed to come out hot in that overtime and they did not they they didn't get the stops they needed uh, we we saw that Stuart Straff was making those threes, like you mentioned, and you mentioned they did. They made one other basket. It was a free throw. It was one. They missed three yeah, yeah, in that know. overtime period. They made one free throw. Uh, but Rosen blew me away from that Stuart Straff team. His second half was phenomenal where he scored. 
He ended up with 25 on the night, which, you know, Team Ball ended up beating, you know, what ended up turning into Hero Ball there in the second half with Grant Painter in the fourth quarter, bringing Riverheads back by himself almost. Did, did it really well. <laughs> yeah, no, he did. And he ended up with, I think it was yeah. 32, I think was what he ended up wow. with. Um, he, so he had a good night as well. It just wasn't enough. And, um, you know, Stewart's draft had the other guys who could make a three when they needed him to in in the, regulation. And the comment from Coach Gale after the game really giving Riverheads credit that they're a tough out. They're glad they don't have to play him again. And, and pretty much, you know, projecting that they do very well down in Region 1B. And I like the idea that multiple teams could do well in this postseason from the Shenandoah district. And, uh, you know, Riverheads is set as the two seed. They'll host uh, a game or two there as two seed. And we'll see uh, what goes from there. But, um, you know, they'll get to host a game or two and, and hopefully be able to advance there and maybe get to that for that region, which would advance in the state. That's what they did last year. So Riverheads has the table set, even with the loss. But going back to Swords Draft, they now get to host strict championship game in their gym robert e lee coming there and it's just not what people really predicted it's going to really create a big time and i think it's going to be a really good atmosphere in that gym on thursday night yeah and i i think that you know what we're talking about here was an opportunity when stewart's draft does that to to get this win and then surviving because you know coach gale told us too in that post game that he found out while his game's still going on that East Rock had lost to R.E. Lee. So then the pressure mounts for him. I don't know if his kids knew that. Um, I, again, I didn't hear if it was said over the PA or not. But it, to me, even just the coach knowing speaks to the level of focus and commitment because yeah, I think it would have been easy for Coach Gale to hear East Rock just lost to R.E. Lee. His team was winning in that fourth quarter. Uh, and looked like they had an opportunity to put that one away at certain points in the in regulation. And you're sitting there thinking like, oh, man, we're getting ready to host a district championship game. We're going to play R.E. Lee. Oh, boy, look at us. Look at us. And then all of a sudden, Riverheads get you into overtime, and you're maybe thinking, oh, crap, we're going to blow this. Um, but you know what? Stewart's draft did what they had to do. They got that win, and now they're going to get a chance for revenge against R.E. Lee. And I'm telling you, Thursday night is going to be an absolute dandy of a basketball game. On the other side of that, what a bad time for East Rock to lose. If you're going to lose a game in postseason, you want it to be that championship game. Uh, and here in the still been able to host a regional game. Now they're going to have to go on the road in the region playoffs. And, yeah, they're they're probably going to be in a – they're playing in some favored against somebody, but um, a poor time for them to lose. Um, but that's the way it is. Shenandoah District showed how tough it is. The girls will have a chance – on Wednesday night, Riverheads at Page, draft at East Rock, and that I think tonight just proved it's anybody's ball game in the Shenandoah district, and that could be for the girls as well, and they get that shot on Wednesday night. Yep, good for them. The other upset going on tonight, Fort Defiance wins at Wayne. The boys get more district wins in postseason than they had in the regular season. Congrats to them. They they'll move on. They'll play in the three C um, tournament. Uh, for Fort Defiance, they actually fall to TA, but somehow, some ways, the seeding, uh, how it works in that Region 3C, Fort Defiance girls will still get to go. So that consolation game really doesn't 
prove anything. Fort Defiance will travel, but they'll be the worst-seeded Valley District team in that 3C region. Yeah, well, good for them on getting to go, and good for the boys. I mean, look, uh, we talked about Ari Lee peaking at the right time. Maybe Fort Defiance peaking at the right time. Look, let's not get crazy. Fort Defiance is not going anywhere in this region tournament, but they did win yeah, enough district games there. to get into the region tournament, and I think that speaks a lot about how this team grew as the season progressed. And they had a lot of you next year we don't need to you know write their tombstone yet we'll have time to do that uh when they get into that 3c but it's something they can really build up quick note that i want to just kind of turn back to i saw sacco talking about it out of the dnr it used to be not this many teams advanced through the playoffs you know district sending four or five teams to post to the to region playoffs because of riverheads going to 1b it's it's a lot i really think it should only be the championship people that advance these third and fourth and fifth teams advancing is a lot oh i agree with you the vhsl is not gonna step away from that but i agree with you it's just it just becomes starts to make a lot of it makes these district tournaments why these constellation games have to be played if everybody advances anyway i guess it's seeding but it's just a lot but hey there's gate money makes makes mamas happy that there's boys their playoff game, I guess, but um, we will move on. Let's move on to high school wrestling, which there was plenty of action, too much action to even cover all the way uh, around here. Uh, area was represented well, and it kind of starts, in my mind, with Wilson. They've won back-to-back Shenandoah district tournaments. They've won now back-to-back 2B uh, region tournaments and they won by a wide margin. Say, they were yeah, 252 close. to 129 was the next team. And, uh, that's because they had, they have nine guys going to States. They had all sorts of guys. Um, it, I mean, I think it was only like one or two weight classes. They didn't have somebody in the top three and that's why they won the team region, um, right there. So congrats to them. And, and they got nine guys headed States, but they're not the only guys headed to States from our area. No, Draft has six, which is pretty good representation for them. They split yeah. between first, second, and third. Uh, Gap has three. Uh, all of them won their weight classes, and Lee got a third-place finisher to go to states as well. So, I mean, that'll be interesting. You know, obviously, when you're talking class two, you're looking at Grundy as a favorite. So we'll have to see. You know, best of luck to Wilson. Obviously, we're going to be pulling for Wilson to beat him, but, you know, we'll oh, yeah. see what happens. Yeah, and we hope Draft uh, performs well in Gap, too. Uh, you know, Wilson's going to be vying for maybe a team title, uh, but these other schools uh, probably looking for some individuals to get there. Buffalo Gap looking for, you know, Cullen Bindle to get another state championship. Also, uh, Ryan Benitez, uh, you know, trying to add to his mm-hmm. trophy case there. Um, but uh, it'll be very interesting. And like you said, Grundy is the force of two class two. They've won more team state championships in that single sport than any team in any sport. They've won 20 state titles in wrestling and uh, no other team in any other sport has done that. So really the class of wrestling for the entire state, but uh, they're a dominant thing that Wilson's going to have to overcome. Yeah, they're, they're pretty good at Grundy. (laughs) Going down to one B Riverheads also high hopes, I believe they finished second in the state last year. They're looking to win a state title. They're going to have to overcome Rural Retreat, who's four-time defending state champ at 1A. But 
Riverheads is strong, and yeah, they finished behind Wilson in the district, but Wilson's really good, and Riverheads was right there behind him in the Shenandoah district. They're sending nine guys to states. They had five guys uh, win the region titles, uh, so they're spread out too, and um, you know, no other local team in 1B, so all Riverheads root there in 1A as uh, we all hope, um, especially GW Schultz, he set the school record for wins uh, couple weeks ago or maybe last week um he won it in 2017 i didn't get it last year uh we're hoping he gets another state title along with some other guys on that roster see what they can do down in salem and bring home some state championships no i agree and then you know you're looking at uh region or going to class three region c for defiance gonna send three to states weaver sanchez and mongold all earning state tournament bids and uh waynesboro gets con to go so uh just the lone wrestler there from waynesboro and the three from fort will be pulling for them in class three no doubt yeah a lot of individual guys were uh seeing there it was good to see tom uh back to tweeting sports this yeah. weekend he, he was uh tweeting the wrestling uh finals going on up there and uh all day saturday tom was dominating my twitter feed it was good to see he's up there uh covering basketball tonight so we're glad to see he's back at it uh, and while I'm at it, I forgot to call out Cody Elliott. He was the one that uh, busted that news on the Riverheads football coach uh, being hired there. Wanted to credit him because he was he was early on that. We want to give Cody credit. He's he's been on the show more than anybody else. He'll be on again. Uh, but just wanted to uh, you know give him the credit where credit was due there. NCAA basketball and really the only way to start here was everybody in the nation was was watching Charlottesville on Saturday. Game day was there. Duke was there. LeBron was there. Wilbon was there. Um, everybody was there. Ralph Sampson was there, but that's normal. And plus we can yeah. see him going down Greenville Avenue, but it was, it was, you know, a, a big environment there for a college basketball game. And, uh, Duke won. Duke sweeps UVA on the season. And not that UVA didn't fight in both games. They played hard. And, and this game, Duke had to shoot pretty well to win this game. But I, I, I hear about people having like, getting tired of hearing about Zion Williamson, but he's earning all the attention that he's getting. I mean, he is a freak athlete. I just don't, I don't recall seeing somebody that stood out in college basketball physically the way this kid does. And, and the only thing I can compare to, and it's very early in my basketball memories is Shaq, you know, someone that big and quick. And this guy is not quite as big, but quicker. And just the things he does on the court is amazing. Yeah. RJ Barrett was kind of the, the dagger for UVA well, sure, in this matchup. Sure. I mean, Zion was quieter. Um, I, to go back to something you mentioned about all the people there and LeBron and Rondo being there, I guess if I was Duke, I would not want Zion Williamson talking to them because I think that is tampering and it's going to be a recruiting violation for sure because I know LeBron is going to be trying to get his agent with Zion. And that's going to go into a whole other thing with the NBA that I told you I don't want to talk about the NBA. But I quickly, I loved what the Pelicans did to the Lakers. And I wish every team would do that to LeBron when he starts demanding who he wants. I wish the teams would say, you know what? No, you chose the Lakers and now you've alienated five young guys on that team who apparently, according to, you know, the national media were so great that they only won 20 games last year. That's how good they were. But the Pelicans are freaking crazy for not trading Anthony Davis for him. Um, but they won't get an offer that was as good as what the Lakers were giving them. Well, like, then you're not, not going to get a good get... offer is what you're telling me because those guys aren't good. The two first-round picks are going to be up in the top of the draft because if the Lakers get Anthony Davis, they're going to be a much better team in the playoffs. And guess what? Basketball drafts aren't NFL drafts. If, you, if you're not picking in the top 10, you've got a bunch of scrubs on your team. 
Sure. But back I, to I this game. I wasn't prepared to argue about LeBron's presence at the game being back tampering. Back to this, it's tampering. In a league that includes, an NFL, includes a draft. But, okay. Um, but back to the game. Back to the game. It was a big environment. And I, I don't know. I, I was What I came away with was that Zion Williamson's a freak of nature. I know Barrett's good, too. I'm used to, to the rest of those guys on Duke playing like they do and Duke winning like they do. I'm used to seeing that. I'm just not used to seeing a guy take off 10 feet away and block a guy's shot, the three point in the corner. I'm not used that to that was delicious. Oh my goodness. It was crazy. That kid took his sweet time staring up that three pointer. And when it got blocked, I just busted out laughing out loud, watching the game on my couch, loved every second of it. It was hilarious. We, we watch a lot of basketball in my house and my wife does like Duke. So we watch a lot of top ranked basketball year after year with best teams involved. I just, the reactions that we have on the couch or when I'm out of the room and hearing her react to something, I'm not used to hearing this. That's why he stands out to me. Maybe he's not, maybe he's not the number one pick. Maybe he's not the best guy on his team, but he physically stands out. Oh, he's the number one think, pick. <laughs> I, I would, I would think people keep trying to talk about Barrett being no better, but no, I, I want, I want what Williamson serving. I mean, he's just, he's a, such a presence. So, um, that's what I took away from that. UVA did rebound very well. Uh, they played UNC at UNC. You really could have thought, you know, they could have lost twice or, you know, could have lost another game just because of the other night, two nights ago. And, uh, they rebounded well and they played well. So, you know, I'm not that upset if I'm a UVA fan. Yeah, you want to win all the games, but your team had a good test. You lost to Duke, and maybe that gives them more fire to win when they face the third time in the ACC championship. Or yeah, I mean, maybe that'll benefit them in the tournament where they're not, you know, hey, we're on top of the world and no one can beat us and then lose to somebody they shouldn't. So uh, I don't I don't know. I wouldn't be that upset if a UVA fan missed opportunity to look good in front of a big audience. Yeah, they're the second best team in the ACC. They'll get to the ACC championship game and play Duke again. And if Duke beats them three times, I, I already think it's decided. Duke is better than UVA. Even if UVA wins in an ACC championship game and they win the ACC tournament, which will be great for UVA. But I, I still don't think that would make UVA better than Duke. I've seen these two teams play twice. I've seen Duke play without their best player. And they won that game at, at Cameron. And then they came to Charlottesville. And they pretty much controlled this game. They, it was 10-7 to 7 the entire second half. UVA did not get any closer than that. And that's because yeah. of just how good Duke was. Duke was that much they're, better. Not saying UVA is a bad team. I'm just Duke is that much better. They were just one shot away every time. And, and heck, I'm sitting here talking about how freak of nature one of their players is and how people try to say one of the other players is actually better than him. And you're still that close to Duke. I mean, you're still playing that close to Duke. So you're, you're going to beat a lot of teams as long as you take care of business. Um, their ranking only fell one spot and okay. Like it just doesn't matter. It, it doesn't matter where you're ranked right now. You have a tournament, uh, Virginia tech. They fell rightfully. So 11 spots in the rankings down to 22. They're missing Justin Robinson. They're not the 22nd best team in the nation without Justin Robinson. No, I don't know um, when he's coming back. I would be really worried about that. Yeah. They're getting credit for what they did before he left. And I guess they're getting credit for the fact he may come back. He's got to come back if the Hokies are going to, be anywhere near the expectations that we built them up to. They, they lost to Clemson. They battled, but still just not enough this week. They have Georgia tech on Wednesday, Pittsburgh on Saturday with Justin Robertson. I Robinson, I'm really thinking that's, those are wins. Now I'm just hoping to get one of them. 
No, you need the both. Georgia Tech game. With or without Robinson, you need both. You need both. I'm I'm trying to play the Joe role here and be realistic. And, no, I mean, without Robinson, that, we're a seven seed, but a seven seed beats both of these teams. Well, I guess the last two outcomes have gave me a negative feeling. We just don't, we look lost on offense. So hopefully our defense can play well enough to hold oh, those well, teams down. I guess they can. I, I, I'm not saying they can. I just, I hope it happens, especially on the road at Pitt. We talked about this briefly during the, after the Louisville game, Ahmed Hill's performance. Ahmed Hill might be the most disappointing player in a long time. He's not the worst player to play at Virginia Tech, but he might be the most disappointing just because he has so much more talent and he just can't hit a brick. I mean, he just, Or that's all he can do is put up bricks. He couldn't hit water if he fell out of a boat right now. So Sean, he is Sean just Harris played for Virginia Tech, so us. there'll always be a bottom. Okay, well, Sean, Sean Harris had zero expectation. Sean Harris is my Grant Knoll for the for the best. Well, but he had zero expectation. Ahmed Hill does have expectations. No, he's been playing terrible. I, I, I'm not arguing with you whatsoever. I'm, uh, <laughs> I'm just trying to make fun of Sean Harris while I can. Uh, yeah, Ahmed Hill's been playing terrible. I, I liked him. He plays well before ACC season starts, and then either either starts to press, or I don't know what happens. Well, maybe he's they, not that good. They play decent teams in uh, the non-conference, and he mm. still he usually plays well against them. He played well against. Um, Washington, he had a good game there. He, he's played well the in the season, so, so it's just he gets into ACC season. He doesn't look good, and that's where you're measured if you're an ACC player. And it's it's been t- tough to watch. It's it's really tough to watch him play that poorly. Hopefully, the Hokies get some wins this week. Uh, UVA plays at Notre Dame on Saturday. That's, uh, a, that's a very winnable game. Yeah. Uh, the other college home, team we got to talk about: Mary Baldwin University women with all those gap players on the team. They are having the best season they've had in 15 years. They finished the regular season 16 and 9, 10 and 6 in conference play. They host North Carolina Wesleyan on Wednesday night. They get to host a playoff game. Things are going well at Mary Baldwin. I just want to mention that to give them all our uh, good wishes. We'll be involved in other basketball covering this week, but everybody get out and watch those girls some, at some point. They're doing good things there. All right. Going to college football. Uh, I don't have too much to add here other than, you know, rec- National Signing Day happened. Virginia Tech had a pretty good recruiting class. We'll see what they do with it. UVA uh, landed two uh, with the Penn State grad transfer and then a athlete from Germany. So we'll see how that goes. I, the the big news on from National Signing Day was the flip from Doug Nestor. He was committed to OSU, big time lineman, standout lineman, and uh, he said no to Ohio State. Said he wanted to come. That's to the interesting. We'll take him. We'll That's interesting them. to me. What, what, why, how? I don't know. I'll take it. I, I, I don't know how or why I'll take it. Yeah, maybe I, I don't want to know. Maybe, maybe that's a question. I don't want to. Answer <laughs> to. Yeah. I doubt our offer was any better than Ohio state's, but yeah, I, I liked that. Uh, we actually got a grad <laughs> transfer to come in and Brock Hoffman. Uh, that oh, was announced I don't Sunday. Care about that. So he coastal Carolina who gives his list before he went to coastal Carolina was pretty decent. So, um, but that's fine. We'll take him. He's a big lineman. He was as a freshman, all conference. And I believe all conference again as a sophomore. So, Hey, we need people with everybody transferring out. We need people coming in. And those were a couple good names that came in. All right, let's talk about NASCAR. We, we haven't let's talked about it. NASCAR yet I on the podcast. It. I'm going to let you run with this because mm-hmm. I did not know you had this much teed up until uh, until I mentioned it the other day. So go. Yeah, all right. So day 10 of 500. If you're looking for your favorites this year, it's going to be Brad Keselowski. He is the Vegas favorite to win. Last year's champ, Joey Logano, obviously stands a good chance. And Kevin Harvick does well at a restrictor plates as well. But 
if you're looking for that best bang for your buck, you're going to look at last year's winner, Austin Dillon. He's at a 28 to 1, which is unbelievable after winning. And Wood Brothers, a um, little bias here, but you know what? They always run well at restrictor plate tracks. Menard's a 40 to 1. Paul Menard and their little clash at Daytona yet, uh, last night on Sunday. You know, we're recording this on Monday. So Sunday night uh, was actually with 20 laps to go leading the race before Jimmy Johnson had to pull his pants down and show it to everybody on national TV and wreck him because he's a jerk. Uh, so hopefully uh, Paul Menard wins the Daytona 500 and the icing on the cake would be somebody puts Jimmy Johnson in the wall. And he does a little flips in the infield, maybe rolls the car. So now that, I mean, I know everybody doesn't like Jimmy Johnson because he's won so much. But uh, he's definitely him. not going to win another championship with these new NASCAR rules because they inspect your car at the end of the race. And if you fail the post-race inspection, they disqualify you. You lose all your points. So Jimmy Johnson will not win a championship because half the time he wins, he fails his post-race inspection. So I know people people don't like him because he wins all the time, and I'm fine and with cheats. that logic. Um, but Jeff Gordon's not in out there anymore. Did all the Jeff Gordon haters just jump on the Jimmy Johnson hate wagon too? Or, or how's that I didn't work? like did Jeff Gordon because he – Really, because I didn't have a good reason. He just won. And he was a chief rival of Dale Earnhardt, which I liked. I liked Dale Earnhardt. Uh, who do the Dale Earnhardt fans root for now, though? Who do they root for? That's the thing, right? So it was easy. Is when, it Austin Dillon? Because it went to Junior, and then Junior retired, and now there's a fracture. Uh, Brad Keselowski's a pretty popular driver. Kevin Harvick's a pretty popular driver. Again, I went to Paul Menard. Um I, I guess it depends on you know where you are. I don't think there's been another driver that pops out and gets you know the vast majority of fans tony stewart used to have a lot but he doesn't race full-time anymore uh austin Dillon, no he does not get all of them uh, there's a lot of people who don't like the fact that he drives the number three um, well. i will admit it's kind of weird seeing it run around the track again uh i i think i know nascar doesn't like to retire numbers there's other drivers driving numbers of cars who of you know drivers who have died in crashes at during races but man, Dale Earnhardt was different. And I think if anybody ever deserved to not see his number run around the track again, it was Dale Earnhardt's number three. Uh, it's weird. Uh, and, you know, he died during the Daytona 500. So it's always tough. Um, but, you I know, mean, I don't think it's disrespectful. Uh, no, I don't think it's disrespectful. Else, I, I don't think it's disrespectful. I'm not going to take that aspect of it. I just think it's weird. Yeah. I, I agree that when they when it first happened, I thought it was odd, but I guess it was explained to me that there, there's only so many numbers or whatever. But I, I guess they do go into the hundreds, though. Only so I guess 43 there is a, people. Only 43 quite, people can race at a time. I guess they just didn't want to get into retiring any numbers. Yeah, um, um, but my pick, guy, I'm going to pick Paul Menard. I'm going to stick a little but, bit of bias there, but Wood Brothers, he's been running well. They always have great setups at restrictor plate tracks. The fact that he was up in the front before Jimmy Johnson wrecked him uh, tells me that, again, they have a good setup going at Daytona. So I expect Paul Menard, um, you know, I'm going to pick him to win, but if he doesn't win, I, barring an accident, which, you know, at Daytona and any restrictor plate track is definitely a possibility, I would be shocked if Paul Menard didn't finish in the top 10, uh, maybe even top five. I'm pulling for another one of those storied numbers, uh, but luckily uh, Petty's still around the track. But Bubba Wallace, uh, that's who I kind of caught on to last year. I picked him at the beginning of the Daytona 500 last year based on some random stuff, and then he, he ran really well at the Daytona 500. Uh, and he ran well in the first half of the season. Then he really dropped off in the second half of the season last year. But Bubba Wallace is kind of the guy I'm picking 
I'd always rooted for Junior because basically anybody I was close to that liked NASCAR liked Junior. So I was rooting for him. Kind of the reason I somewhat root for the Redskins to win at times just because my friends root for him. Uh, but now I went on my own, picked Bubba Wallace, and so I'm rooting for him, see what he can do. Okay. Um, I disagree, but that's fine. I Bubba Wallace has the curse of the 43, so he'll never have a successful career as long as he drives that number. Okay. Well, that's good to know. I, I wasn't up with you on that, so that is good to know. Two quick NFL dotes here. Heisman winner Kyler Murray is picking football. He gets more money up front playing football, but it just seems like I don't know, does he? Because the Oakland A's were authorized to give him a major league contract, which you're not allowed to do in the MLB draft. Baseball um, really wanted him. This is a big blow to baseball. That's fine, but if he like RG threes it, couldn't he still have a shot back in baseball? If he RG threes it, his baseball career is over because he will have sustained an injury and nobody will want to touch him. He won't get that major league baseball contract from the Oakland days. He will be a minor league guy through and through. I, I think he would definitely have started at double a, maybe even triple a, if he had gone to the A's uh, right out the gate, if he gets injured or even if he plays, you know, three or four years and then decides, you know what, this isn't really working. I'm not that good at football. Let's go back to baseball. He's still going to start in single a at that point because you're older and there's a thing with baseball. There is always somebody better than you behind you. So you need to be going from the start. He's not going to be doing any baseball drills. He's not going to be doing anything baseball related. Uh, so uh, this is a mistake. He better hope it works out in football. I don't think it will just because of his yeah. size and the way he plays. Uh, he couldn't beat Alabama. Sorry, not interested. Uh, you were down 28 nothing before Alabama started to call off the dogs and you look like you were a quarterback. Not interested. He's not going to succeed in the NFL, and hopefully he got paid attention in class and got a good degree while he's at Oklahoma. I, the whole time this debate's been happening, I've been thinking he should go to baseball. I do think the money factor must have played a role in for him, the upfront money that he can get from a rookie deal in the NFL, and if he even gets to that second contract, he can make more money than he would make for a good period of time in baseball. And plus, he can start getting endorsements now that he he wouldn't be getting in baseball. If you're in AAA, you're not pulling these big-time endorsements. Maybe you get Under Armour, but what past that are you really getting? In football, you're going to get Under Armour and a, a bunch of other stuff. And, I mean, I've seen a lot of young players recently that aren't even as highly touted as him, haven't won the Heisman, haven't you know been all over sports center like him who have like a good amount of endorsement deals and the, the money related to them are, is kind of crazy i think he made a decision based on money i always think that's the wrong decision but it's interesting and i think it'll be fun to watch it'll be fun to have this debate as we go forward and especially in august when he looks terrible in a preseason game It'll be it'll be fun to stand there and say, man, you should be playing for the A's right now. <laughs> yeah, don't spend that money. Invest it wisely and save it because you're going to need it. The other big news today, and I don't think we'll get as deep as this as we've gotten previously on the the outrage stuff. Uh, but we will well, there is no touch outrage. it here. Kareem Hunt signed with the Browns today. He, there's video of this guy. Yeah, where's the outrage? There's video. The there's Redskins video got crucified. Is, the Redskins got crucified like for this. I mean, and and they're just Browns just go out and get them. Right now. And I haven't, I have not I, heard anything. Today. I, I told you this was going to happen. And no. I, when we talked about the Redskins safety, whose name is escaping me right now, 
and it's driving me bananas. Uh, Ruben. Ruben Brown. Uh, yeah. Uh, or Ruben. No, not Ruben Brown. Ruben Foster. Foster. Ruben Foster. When they got him and the outrage machine ran wild in the national media. Let me tell you why that's running wild. Because they don't like to name the Washington Redskins. And the Redskins are an easy target right now. Uh, where is the outrage with Kareem Hunt? Kareem Hunt. I just. Video evidence. He did it. We know it. I don't Ruben Foster had somebody area. making up allegations. This person, we have video of him doing it. Where's the outrage machine? Oh, well, Kareem Hunt can score touchdowns. Oh, okay, so we don't actually care? That's that's yeah. that's where I'm going to end it. Nobody actually cares. Kareem Hunt's going to sign with the Browns. Roger Goodell's still doing his investigation, which I did in 30 seconds of watching that video, but I guess Roger Goodell's got to watch it from 20 different angles, needs conclusive evidence. I don't know. He doesn't know what a catch is, so why would I expect him to know what a kick to the face is? Point, points are made. Let's move on. Let's get to something fun. Let's hear about what Mike Herndon, former gladiator, former or just coming off of uh, being a Pittsburgh Panther and uh, what his plans going forward are. We'll have that next here with our interview here on the Exports Podcast. Next on the Yak Sports Podcast, we are glad to have Mike Herndon on. And uh, Mike Herndon, a Riverheads graduate, uh, coming up on being a Pitt graduate, I guess. I, your football career is done there, but I guess you still have to uh, graduate. I guess you'll update us on that. But uh, glad to have you on. We wanted to have you on in the fall, but that darn Patrick Height uh, beat us to you. So we, we held off to, to have a postseason interview with you. But Mike, welcome on the podcast. Well, thank you. I appreciate being here. So, Mike, what are you up to now that uh, Coach uh, Narduzzi's not telling you every little thing to do? What are you up to? <laughs> uh, I'm just listening to my strength coaches right now. I'm, uh, I'm training up here at the, our facility in Pittsburgh uh, for the NFL, and just Monday through Friday, uh, about I go in about 12 o'clock and get out about four every day. So, I mean, nothing out of the ordinary right now. Just training and waiting for the next step. So uh, the next step, is that the NFL draft, or is there any steps between now and then that uh, will change your daily schedule or change what you're doing? Uh, we have our pro day on, I believe it's March 20th, and uh, that's the next step, really. Uh, it's pretty much just the combine, but we do it at our facility. Other schools will come, have a couple guys there too. But that'll be the next step, and then after that, it is the draft, see if I get drafted. And then if I don't get drafted, then we go. F I don't know where we go from there, but we just wait and see if I can get a camp or get a tryout somewhere or anything like that. So do you do you have like an agent now? What is that? What's that side of the process been like right now? Uh, I was talking to a guy for a little bit, uh, but after talking with a couple people, uh, as of right now, I'm not with an agent. Um, if something is to happen to where I feel like I will need an agent, like say I get drafted, of course I will. Yep. But if not, then at this time, I'm not going to need one. I'm not training anywhere else. So I don't need any help with paying for my training or anything. So right now I don't know. Well, very cool. Well, now, uh, some of the advice that you're getting, I mean, you sound very level-headed, I mean, uh, and not to, not to hold you back at all. We're hoping the best for you, obviously. Uh, but it sounds like you're getting good advice and 
seeing where you go and seeing how taking things one step at a time. Uh, who are the main people giving you advice right now about the possibility of the NFL? Uh, well, the agent I was talking to, uh, he gave me a little bit of advice. That was uh, later towards the end of the season there. But uh, really, Narduzzi uh, helped me out a good bit. But uh, also my uh, strength coaches, they're the ones that are really with us all the time right now. So any advice that I need, I try to get from them. And then past players that we've had here too, um, like Biznawati and Brian O'Neill's. Like I, I'd go to them for a little advice here and there. Uh, our new offensive line coach that came here last year and I had a year with, I'll ask him a couple of things too. But yeah, other than that, I don't really go to anybody else. Well, Mike, let's talk about your senior season. Uh, you know, just finished it up at Pitt. You guys won the Coastal Division, uh, much to Leland and I's chagrin being Hokie fans. But <laughs> you guys had a good senior season. Talk about, you know, your your career at Pitt. Uh, I mean, where did I start? I came in as a defensive lineman. I uh, was all excited for that. I came to Pittsburgh for one reason, and that was to play defensive line and uh, ended up getting moved to offensive line. Stayed there for a year. Um didn't really see much playing time there either. I was a back backup. Uh, next year, got moved right back to defense. Uh, played there for a little bit, had a sack, and that was cool. Uh, I mean, got a few tackles in here and there. Um, but then this last year, actually got a starting position and did some good things with it, I think. Uh, had an award and everything, so that was cool. So, I mean, I don't know too much to say about that yeah well uh leland knows i went to sharando high school and people who listen to this do as well so you know who i'm going to talk to you about now george Uh, aston um i really didn't like seeing him blow up my tech defense but um, (laughs) he did a good job and you know you guys did as well talk about uh this is just for me and you know sorry to everybody else who's going to listen to this but you know how was it being a teammate of aston's uh it's awesome i mean me and him are roommates for uh about a year and a half or so. Um, I think it was our sophomore year. Uh, I mean, <laughs> I, I don't know what else to say about him besides he's just a lunatic on the field. Really. I mean, you <laughs> see is. what he does to people. Um, I wish he wouldn't have got hurt there that one season, but I mean, he didn't get to see the ball as much. And I guess that was just our offensive coordinator's choice to not get him the ball as much this season. But, I mean, he had 10 touchdowns the uh, year before. But, uh, yeah, I mean, he's just a freak on the field. So I'm excited to see what he's going to do at the next level because there's no doubt that he's definitely going to make it on somewhere. Well, as uh, as a fellow gladiator, it was really cool to see uh, down the stretch of the season and, and hearing about it going to happen and then see it happen. Having uh, You had Coach Casto come up there for senior day and walk out on the field with you for senior day. And there was articles around here uh, talking about that Uh, from your point of view, uh, you know, talk about what it was like to have coach on the field with you there and, uh, and enjoy that weekend with you. Uh, I mean, just with my like past and like growing up, um, I'm sure many people know by now I didn't have like a real set father figure. Uh, People passed away, people moved on and uh, just to have, him there as like a full-fledged like full-time father figure that I could look up to was a great thing um so I mean I I wouldn't want to have 
anybody else besides him there, really. Uh, I think he deserved it the most. Um, and it might have made him happy, but it made me even more happy for him to take the time out of his day to come up here and just hang out with me for a little bit. Well, I, I think it was as a former player. I mean, I I came out of the same program you did. I played for Coach Casto uh, um, through 2002 season. And uh, I think it was awesome just as a fellow gladiator to see him get that recognition. It's easy for us that have played in the program to see how much he he can mean to you and how much he's meant to particular guys, but even, even teams as a whole. Uh, but thank you really for allowing him to have that recognition. I'm glad you have that relationship with him, but I think it really, it represented more, uh, to the rest of us about what kind of relationship he has with a lot of players. Um, and, and we were super happy for you that it's, it's a closer relationship and how much it's meant to you over time. Right. Um, what do you think about him retiring? I mean, that's the timely question. <laughs> uh, I just feel bad for the guy that's got to try to fill those shoes. Honestly. Um, I mean, he's been there for ages now and he's had so many winning seasons that, it's just going to suck to be that next guy, honestly. I heard they hired uh, – my girlfriend actually said they hired somebody uh, recently. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, yep. so I, I kind of feel bad for the guy. I'll have to come by and meet him one day and sit down and talk with him. Yeah, Thad Wheeler, uh, he's coming from uh, – um, sorry, it's not on the tip of my tongue – War Hill High School out of Williamsburg. So, yeah, he has big shoes to fill. Yeah, for sure. Well um, – we have enjoyed having you on this podcast. Uh, we look forward to seeing what happens to you this spring. We're all rooting for the best. Um, but in the meantime, you know, there's hours of the day that you aren't training for the NFL draft. So we, we ask a lot of people this kind of question. What are you currently binge watching on Netflix or what big TV show have you watched recently that the rest of us need to get on board with? Uh, I actually don't watch anything on TV. Uh, the biggest Good for thing you. Right now, yeah. <laughs> The biggest thing I'm doing right now is uh, playing that new game that came out, Apex Legends. So if you ever on Xbox and you want to <laughs> squad up with a real teammate, yeah. Well, that's good advice. That counts. I, I think uh, yeah. we've we've talked enough about uh, Red Dead Redemption Two and and yeah. other stuff like that. So uh, uh, okay. that's a good advice. That yeah. Well, we appreciate having you on. Uh, best of luck, and uh, we'll all be watching, man. All right. Thank y'all. Thank you, Mike. All right. All right, welcome back into the X Sports Podcast. Joe Deck is still with me, and I'm about to tell Joe what's dominating my life. And despite all the recommendations you've given me over the last eight weeks on this podcast of great things that we should be watching, we went and we're doing a rewatch of West Wing. I don't know if we'll go all the way through, but we're watching it now. We just needed something. I, I, I'm not going to dive here, but I, we needed something positive with politics to have our attention. So we're watching West Wing, where at least every other episode, something positive happens and people are trying to do nice things and um, the foolishness that's going on in the politics that are close to us um, aren't, aren't as apparent. It's nice to watch. I also really thought it was interesting in like episode two, or no, it might be a little bit later than that, but they're getting a Supreme Court justice nominated and... Um, Sam Seaborn, 
the character on there that's played by Rob Lowe, he like digs in that they need to not have the justice they're nominating the other justice because privacy is the is going to be the next 20 years in the Supreme Court, and it's all because of the internet. And for a show that was... I mean, that show episode, that episode was in 1999 on the infancy of internet of what it is now. And before any social media and before everything we know on how we use the internet every day, that was some incredible writing, some incredible foresight to include on a network television show. And I, I liked it. It makes me keep wanting to watching. Like, what else do they say that's complete, complete future telling? Kind of like the Simpsons do when the Simpsons call out what's going to be happening in the future. West Wing kind of does that too, and uh, it's fun to it's fun to watch. And uh, I appreciate the show. I know it leans left, but I really enjoy it because it it shows people in positions with power, really trying to do what's best for the American people. And I think sometimes when you watch all this politics and all the conversations surrounding politics right now, you do wonder what the motivation for what they're saying is. And that, that's why I enjoy watching the show. And that's why I watch it again. Okay. It's a good show. Not a family friendly show, but also a funny political show is Veep. So I don't know if you have oh, a chance Veep's to see great. it. Veep is super. Yeah. It's I starting back not, up uh, the final season this year. So. I haven't watched every episode by any means of that show, but whenever I do uh, watch it, that's a great, that is a great show. All right. Well, Leland, I know you said no, uh, less soccer talk. I, you may even said no soccer talk, but you were wrong because what's dominating my life is the knockout round of the champions league getting started after almost a two month hiatus from the group stage. Uh, bear with me here. I, I'm going to, I saw your team finally won. Oh my gosh. We needed it in the worst way. Um, <laughs> bear with me really quickly as I plow through this. Okay. So you've got, here's what the champions league is. The champions league takes the best teams best clubs from all of the leagues in Europe into a tournament. They go through a group stage, the top two from each group, make it out. There's eight groups. A la there's around a 16. Now that's where we are. The draw was done two months ago. So Americans are used to brackets. Uh, that's not how they do it. They do draws. So they'll put the teams that won their group in one bucket. They'll put the teams from that finished second in their group in another bucket and they'll pick them out. The one rule is you can't face a team from your own league in the round of 16. So, Man United from England, they'll be playing Paris Saint-Germain uh, from the French League. Man United's What'd probably you call gonna, me? Paris Saint-Germain. Um, <laughs> Man United's probably going to win that, which two months ago you wouldn't have said. They made a coaching change. Since the coaching change, they've won 10 of 11. PSG has Neymar, which World Cup they're fans like will be Florida familiar Marlins with. They're like the Florida Marlins of it. They made that coaching change, and they're going for the championship now. Yeah, PSG is going to have <laughs> uh, the Neymar that people are familiar with. Kylian Mbappe of France, who won the World Cup and was a big player in that World Cup. He plays for PSG, um, but Neymar is injured. Uh, Cavani may be injured. He was also a big player on the World Cup. Uh, Mbappe is still there, but PSG is going to have too many injuries. I would expect Man United to move through. Roma is a team that was in the Champions League semifinals last year, lost to Liverpool. Uh, Porto from the Portuguese League. I would expect Porto, but that's going to be a close fixture there. They Also, I want to mention, they're going to play two legs. And what that means is they're going to play each other twice. One at each team's stadium. Uh, aggregate score, which is you take the combination of the two games. Whoever has the highest score wins. If they're tied, whoever scored the most road goals wins. If they're still tied, they do a PK. All right. Ajax, Real Madrid. Real Madrid's going to win because they've won three of the last four Champions Leagues, four of the last five. 
pretty good team. Tottenham, a team that has Harry Kane and Deli Alley, but they're not going to be there. They're going to be in trouble. Dortmund has Christian Pulisic for all you USA soccer fans. They're out of Germany. I'm going to take Borussia Dortmund to beat Tottenham because Tottenham's just going to have too many injuries. Liverpool, Bayern Munich. Liverpool looking a little dicey here recently. Two months ago, I thought we were going to walk through Bayern Munich because they were trash and they were playing like trash. Uh, but now Bayern Munich's looking like the Bayern Munich of old. Liverpool's shaky, a little wobbly, but they are getting Alexander-Arnold to come back. He should help sure up the back line. I'll take Liverpool. Now we go to Lyon, Barcelona. Barcelona has Leo Messi. People will be familiar with that name, of course. Uh, I'm going to take Barcelona. Atletico Madrid, Juventus. Well, now you're looking at Atletico Madrid. This is one of the teams in Spain that was expected to be a lot better than they are. Juventus has Cristiano Ronaldo. Of course, I know you know who that is, Leland. I'm not going to pass that on to... uh, This is for everyone else. He is one of the best soccer players in the world with Leo Messi. Juventus will smash Atletico Madrid. No problems there. Schalke Man City. Schalke... God, I hope they win, but they will not. They will get creamed in both legs because Manchester City is an unstoppable beast from England and is probably going to crush my hopes and dreams with Liverpool winning the Premier League, which would be absolutely devastating. Where's the biter? Where's that guy? Suarez or whatever his name is. Suarez, he plays for Barcelona. Okay. I just hate that guy. Yeah, I don't like him. But I'll take Bayern Munich, so that's fine. Um, no, disgusting. So, yeah. <laughs> so all that happens uh, this week? So that's the funny thing. Half of them play the first leg this week. Half of them will play the first leg next week. Liverpool will be playing next week. Uh, and then it'll be about a month, and then they'll play the second leg. And then they'll do a draw for the round a of month. the quarterfinals. Yeah, this goes on until May. The final is in May. What do they do in between? Well, they play their leagues. Their their uh, domestic leagues. All right, we can we can have a whole podcast episode on this. I'd rather not. <laughs> what is what do you know that I should know that's not soccer? So we'll stick it with football, but we'll go to American football this time. Uh, the NFL needs to make the Alliance of American Football an official minor league. Started watching it. Uh, on opening weekend, Saturday night's game of the San Diego Fleet and the San Antonio Commanders. Uh, and I was pleasantly surprised. I'm not going to lie. I had almost zero expectation for this league coming in. So I was like, all right, as long as the guys don't look like circus clowns on the field, I guess this will be okay. They did a good job in the pregame saying this is a developmental league. This is not a rival yeah. to the NFL. We want to be a developmental league. We want these guys to get a second chance, prove that they should have a chance in the NFL. Which brings me to my next point. And I, the NFL's already embracing this thing, which is good to see. They need to put 24 more teams in this thing and give each team an affiliation like baseball and have it be a minor league. Have your practice and your scout team guys play for this league, get them through. And then if injuries pile up at the NFL level, then you can call these guys up and it's seamless transition. You don't have teams scrambling around looking for guys at a grocery store who aren't getting football uh, experience at all. So I think this is, this would be good for the NFL. Uh, And um, you know, uh, the good thing for this league 
first game, guy gets his helmet popped off on a blindside was- hit and no flag. It wasn't a helmet to helmet hit. It wasn't a dirty hit. It was a yeah, clean the guy hit, right up. and the guy came right up and no flag. In the NFL, that's 15 yards. The guy's ejected and suspended for five games. Um, oh, man, if it's Tom Brady, they just award him the Super Bowl trophy right there. And right, he, that, as, as they that defensive player is kicked out of football for the rest of his yeah. life. If he picks up a football, Roger Goodell will show up with a machine gun and shoot it out of his hands. Yeah. Um, it was a good moment, and it was all over Twitter immediately, and that, that was good for that's, this league. That's great for opening night. Yeah. Um, Ah, there was one more thing I wanted to say. I'll, I'll go ahead and let you go until, while you think of it. Cause I was watching the same time you were, I was wondering if you were watching, this was going to be my, uh, what I know that you need to know if you weren't watching, but we, we quickly found out we were both watching. Yeah, it was good. They managed expectations really well. That was a great point before that they said, I mean, they had Bill Polian on that said, we want to be the minor league for the NFL. Now the logistics of how you talked about it, I'm not envisioning quickly. Maybe it develops to that. I, my it's plan is probably game. five years into the future. Yeah, yeah. If it develops towards that, that's that's great. Um, I like that their goals are reasonable. And so I thought it was good. It worried me when they showed me the quarterbacks and the Arizona State guy I kind of remember. And then the other guy is a Toledo player. I'm like, okay, I don't I don't walk Maction on Tuesday. I don't need to watch yeah, it on Saturday night either. Get some hot Maction. <laughs> but it turned out pretty good. I didn't watch the whole game. It did not keep me there, but only because I'm not the only person in my house uh, because I think I'm like a lot of Americans that will just watch football anytime. And that was proven in the ratings. We weren't the only ones watching 2.1. It got um, on the overnight that tied the NBA game that it was going directly up against. And if they're getting the same amount of viewers as the primetime Saturday night NBA game that includes James Harden scoring 30 points a game. There's going to be advertising money there. And that's really going to allow that league to grow and, and have more um, marketing around it. Cause this league wasn't talked about a whole lot. I mean, these guys came together 30 days ago, they got going and it, there was a commercial here and there. And I think they had wonder in the super bowl, maybe in the pregame. I don't know mm-hmm. if it was during the actual super bowl, but very little was put into this. Unlike the XFL, where they dumped all the attention they could on the XFL, and uh, we know what happened with the XFL. So I think this league has a chance because it has its managed expectations well, and it seems to know what it is and what it wants to be, and it's a better direction than the XFL ever was. I would be interested in seeing what the two games on Sunday averaged. I mean, those games on Sunday were on CBS Sports Network. They're going to be way down the Mm -hmm. list. And NFL NFL Network. Yeah, and NFL Network, and you got to kind of compare like things. I I'm comparing the CBS game that they put up on the biggest stage to well, the NBA game that they put on that was on the biggest stage. You won't it, know then until the championship because that's the next game on CBS. Well, I, that's fine. When you look at the ratings, um, the UVA Duke basketball game got a two point one, just a little bit better than this. Um, minor league football game did. So that's good for the minor league football game. Uh, NFL preseason games, they get like, 
high 2.6 to 3.0. So they do better, but that's when people are really hungry in August for any kind of football to be happening in front of them. And people aren't as hungry right now. So um, I think I'll, all the ratings point in the right direction. Sure. The XFL de- debuted at a 10.3, but the next week it was half that. And the week after that, it was half that it was half life for XFL and a league that only lasted a year and their championship game only got a 2.1. It dipped down into the 0.8 before it came back up at the championship game for the XFL. So if the AAFL moving forward the can kind of stay 1.5 up, they're in great shape. Great shape. It's not going to be 2.1 every night, every, no. every Saturday night. But if they stay 1.5 and up when they have these chances for bigger audiences, that's fine. And, and those guys there, those marketing people, those production people, they know what their numbers should be on those CBS sports network and NFL network games. They, they have an aim. And I think that first game is a great sign that they have a chance to achieve their goals. Uh, I do remember the thing I wanted to say. I love the rule changes. Uh, oh, no yeah, kickoffs, cool. no kickoffs are cool. That's fine. Uh, the onside thing going for it at your own 28 on a fourth and 12. I'm down. The old uh, Donovan with play, yeah. Yeah, I'm down for that. Um, <laughs> the one thing, their overtime is better, but the fact that they're going to let it end in a tie possibly is so dumb. Why? Back it up. Why does it have to be at the 10, by the way? That's way too close. And, That's like high school rules. Oh, yeah. my gosh. Way too close. And back it up. Although if the opening week is any indication, when you get in the red zone, it apparently is where offenses go to die. They are not going to score touchdowns there. Um, although the they Sunday night game was – yeah, they, now they did have just have 30 days, so I think it'll take a little bit for the offenses to catch up. Defenses look pretty good. There were some good defensive plays. Wide receivers need to learn how to catch. Um, and my biggest complaint is going to be on the production side. Uh, that, I guess, CB, um, very apparent. CBS is not using the Jim Nance, Tony Romo crew. That's fine. Um, <laughs> they had, these are guys. They had Kurt Warner there, and uh, Trent Green was around. Yeah, Trent Green was in the booth. Kurt Warner was in the booth. They're not using the whoever is in the truck during the – Jim Nance, Tony Romo tr- games either, though. I mean, that was very apparent. This was... I heard an explanation. Okay, good. Give if it to me. the audio kept dropping out from the main broadcast, apparently they have the players hooked, mic'd up. You could hear their quarterback talking. Agreed. And apparently the game was obviously shown on a couple second delay. Whenever there was a curse word from one of those player mics, it was cutting the entire feed, audio feed. And so... That was the issue, and apparently they corrected it on Sunday. Now, yeah, but you heard curse words good. on Sunday. That that's the correction. You heard curse words on Sunday. Well, because the announcer on Sunday kept good. saying, I, "Oh, we apologize for the language. Apologize for the language." And I'm like, "Okay, maybe we don't need the quarterback mic'd up right after the play's over. Maybe we don't need the coach mic'd up twenty four seven. May yeah, have turn the QB." mic up in the huddle because he's not going to say anything in there probably um up until snap even that's something that technology is going to fix and i think on if tv wants to be tv and we're not just go to internet viewing they're going to have to figure out a way where you can turn on some of these extra features that the internet is allowing you on your regular broadcast and, and some kind of like options that you can on maybe direct TV, maybe your cable provider is going to have to do it. But like where you get these special cams and these special audios and you have to turn to all these different channels and, but you might have like a sky cam view, but that's the only way you can hear this different view. They're going to have to find a way where you can turn on like toggle on and off these options. And, and 
that would be one of those options that, hey, I have a family. I don't need to hear the player mics because I don't need to hear the F word. I'm going to turn that or not turn that on. And then the rest of us that, you know, the kids are in bed and we we can handle hearing the quarterback say the F word. You you turn that feature on and you can hear more in depth. I mean, it's the same thing in NASCAR. They they have the radios in the car and you can listen to them. But the drivers are racing 200 mile an hour and, and cursing and stuff. You just got to be ready for that. You just don't put the mics, on, the headsets on your little kid. So TV is going to have to figure that away. I think I'm jumping ahead a couple years on what I'm saying here, but that just popped in my head. Like TV has got to figure that out. And so we don't get these mega, these mega casts are cool, but you got to bring that into one spot. I think that's, what's got to come technology wise. The Sunday afternoon game was Birmingham and Memphis. I was um, there for a minute, but not long, man. Memphis is not good, but Mike Singletary, yikes. And, hey, Christian Hackenberg, all the NFL people who say Christian Hackenberg was going to be an NFL star, and I was looking at his numbers when he was playing at Penn State, turning the ball over like it was his job and saying, hmm, I don't know. And then he flamed out of the NFL real quick, and then he's going to get a second chance in this league. <laughs> second <laughs> verse, second verse, same as the first. Did not look good. But red zone cam there was basically oh. right on the sideline. Horrendous. Hated every second. I hated when teams were in the red zone during that game. I was like, oh, God, now we got to watch this stupid camera where I can't see the bottom of the field. The the coolest feature that I'm really ready for the NFL to adopt in August is during the instant replay, when they called an instant replay mm-hmm. on the Saturday night game, they were they you were immediately hearing the replay official what he was like he was explaining what he was seeing he was telling what actually happened and he gave the call to the official on the field on what it should be we need that in the NFL you need to we need to be in the middle of that because the people talk about those delays and how they're destructive to the viewing audience well then put us in the middle of it and let us know something what's it what's it hurting it's not hurting anything for us to know that as the viewer it hurts the conspiracy that is the NFL Leland oh my goodness all right Let's get out of here of that. Let uh, me tell everybody a couple things that you got to read Patrick Heights, Dan Dan Bonner article. Uh, It's a great article. He's been working on it for a while um, and it shows it's a really good article. It it really goes through um, one of his nights over at UVA recently calling a game, um, but then pulls in stuff from his past and the people he knows. It's really good. Make sure you read that. We'll be talking about it on an upcoming episode, um, so make sure you read that so you can be, uh, you know, do your homework for the podcast. That, that's that's where I'm at now. No. Um, spring sports for high school start Monday, so baseball gets going. Riverhead's looking to repeat as state champs. Soccer gets going. Lee with an incredible season last year. Nearly every one of those players back. Um, they're looking to avenge a state semifinal loss. Softball, there was good teams in the area. Riverheads, I know, was one of them. Uh, Wilson's usually really good. Uh, track is always fun. Tennis, it's always a fun time of the year, though, too, to get out and see some of those sports uh, with the good weather coming. So just making sure everybody knows spring sports are on their way. We're going to get out of the gym soon and be outside. And get ready, Rob. Pitchers and catchers report this week. So Orioles magic, getting ready to kick it into full gear. Looking to win 60 games this year. All right. Well, we will be talking about baseball next week because we put it off this week because we just had so much going on. I won't let that happen again, folks. My apologies. But we will be talking about the Somebody Orioles. Somebody had to talk about soccer. Yeah, it's kind of <laughs> weird. But um, we'll be talking about the Orioles' quest to climb out of the 100-loss hole this season, as well as, you know, maybe Bryce Harper and Manny Machado will know who they're playing for by next week. 
Until then, folks, follow us on Twitter. We're at Yak Sports Pod. Like us on Facebook, Yak Sports Podcast. You can comment on those when we post the link. Let us know how right we are. Let us know how wrong we are. Let me know what you think about the Champions League because I know all of our listeners have very strong opinions about that. You'll never walk alone, folks. And until next week, good night. You've been listening to Yak Sports, your Augusta County sports podcast.